Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Stove's boiling. It's it's on. It's burning. Uh, I just had so whenever I like try and you know cook something nice in my studio apartment, I always set the fire alarm off uh, if I don't put exhaust on high, and that's kind of the level of the hot stove that we're at right now. Ooh, just we got exhaust on high. We've got exhaust yeah. on hot. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I think we're at exhaust on high. Eh. Maybe exhaust on low right now, but you certainly need exhaust. Yes. Right? Exhaust is on. Yeah, just baseball show Thursday, November 17th. Jack McMullen, Arm Layton, Peter flying back to Santa Barbara to spend Thanksgiving with the family because, of course, he's a family man, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, he'll be back with us tomorrow. But we got to talk about what's happened over the last two days, free agency-wise, because this is really where things have picked up, right? We've seen a couple of trades, a couple of big ones. We saw the roster crunch with the 40-man. Uh, full analysis of the 40-man is available on our prospect podcast, The Call-Up. Arm and I are walking through there, but um, we'll talk MLB trades. We'll talk MLB multi-year signings. A couple of guys accepted the qualifying offer. We have all the um, the uh, people that turned down the qualifying offer. And then we also got to talk about Bryce Harper. But first and foremost, feel like 40-man roster protection deadline day was like your Christmas, right, Arm? <laughs> Dude, I was, I was actually like really irrationally excited for that. <laughs> um, very excited to, to put together like the Rule 5 top prospects. And you know, we had just, just a little while ago a little bit of fun just being able to break down some of the surprises, you know, and, and I think everybody knows their team's 40 man situation. If you're, you know, a pretty passionate fan, but you might not know the other teams and that's where it gets interesting because you have an opportunity to pluck some interesting talent and maybe as much talent as ever in the rule five draft because of 2020's cancellation, you know, with that minor league season canceled, obviously delayed the progression of, of players. And then they canceled the rule five draft. So now we've got two classes and like three years worth of players that, that arguably, you know, could have been either the big leagues or, you know, somewhere else at this point where they wouldn't be rule five eligible. So very exciting stuff to talk about there. There's going to be plenty more Garrett Whitlock type rule five, you know, steals uh, that we'll see this year and maybe even more hitters than ever before. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but a lot of the trades that were forced to be made due to the roster crunch were a lot of fun as well. So I'm excited to fly through those with you. Yes, 100%. We'll start with the marquee free agent signings, and then we'll move to those minor trades because there, there was one major trade. We'll get to that after the free agents. And, of course, we're talking about Teoscar Hernandez going from Toronto to Seattle for Eric Swanson and uh, Adam Mako. But 
First, let's start with Anthony Rizzo here uh, because Rizzo just signed a multi-year deal. I think it was, what, two years, 40 with the Yankees and a club option for 17 for a third year. Rizzo and Yankees match made in heaven. He loves that short porch. He can elevate. It's changed his game offensively. Obviously, the Yankees fans love Rizzo. This is a deal that needed to happen. Um, Let's talk positive first, and then we can get a little negative because there is something negative that I want to say about the Yankees. Okay. Well, positive. I mean, he, he's a, a guy that they need for a lot of reasons. I mean, uh, I think he's a leader. Uh, I think that's very clear. Uh, I've had, I've been lucky enough to, to have some conversations with him through the years and he's just a very genuine guy, a pros pro. He's won a championship. He's played in the big markets. I mean, he checks every box as a true Yankee, you know, that kind of fits what they always want and, and a guy that can handle being a Yankee and being a leader on this Yankees team on, on a baseball side of things. I mean, this is the perfect spot for him. And this was something I actually had the chance to talk to him about was the shift and, and how frustrating it was to have, you know, players in right field and a guy that's very pull happy. It's like sometimes, you know, I just kind of look to go over the shift, but in, in Chicago, which is where he was playing at the time, if it's not the right day, you're going to have a hard time hitting it out when the wind is blowing in. And, and that was a side of it too. So trying to use the whole field, doing all these things in New York, he can sell out for that pull side power and look at the pull rates year over year. He can sell out for that pull side power and hit a lot of home runs. And that's exactly what we saw him do last year. He went to the pull side and he hit a lot of home runs, 34 to be exact. I think it's going to be more of the same. And guess what? They're banning the shift. So he can do a little bit of both or restricting the shift should be the better way of, of putting it. Didn't strike out much last year. Looks as good as ever. This guy is going to be a force for them, I think, for for the entirety of the two-year deal and, and into the third year if, if there's an option there as well. Yeah, so Anthony Rizzo, 32 homers at that short porch, but the OPS was actually lower than it, it has been in quite a while uh, per his good years because 2020, 2021, they were, they were kind of throwaways, it felt like. Um, I'm talking through his age 29 season in 2019. Um, but 2022, he had an 817 OPS. That's 30 points lower than his career OPS at 847. You know, this is the guy that when he was right, was playing pretty much every day, was hitting high 200s, whether it be 280, whether it be 290. I mean, 2019, he hit 293 with a 405 OBP. I do think that the OBP is going to get better. He slashed 224, 338, 480 this past year. The slugging could stay at 480, but the OBP is going to get a lot better than 338, I do think. And I think the batting average is going to go up big time with the shift limits here. This was a guy that was obviously hampered by it, and he could absolutely hit 275, 280. Maybe his best years are behind him. I think that they are personally, but you know what? If he can capture any of that juice that he had in his mid to late 20s in Chicago. Um, we could be looking at a guy that hits 280 with 30 homers and and it's a steal of a signing for two years 20 or two years 40. I, I mean, absolutely. And again, he's just going to play well to the stadium. And 28 of his 32 home runs were to his pull side. A lot of his home runs were in Yankee Stadium. And that's not to say that he's a benefactor of Yankee Stadium. It's just that he knows how to really use it to his advantage. And and that's something that, you know, I think if he was playing elsewhere, he he could adjust his approach and, and continue from there. But he was still productive on the road. I, I think there was a little bit of that balancing the pull side power, balancing what was working for him and, and also just being that consistent hitter because we know he chokes up. He's a tough guy to strike out. 
I think he's I don't know if the if his best years are completely behind him, Jack. Like I do think that we could get an even better year this coming season where you know he's more in that 830 OPS range. And look, did, did he have some peaks a little bit better than that? Absolutely. But his 132 WRC plus last year was three points above his career average. So I think he's still pretty close to, to what he has always been. And I think he can continue to be pretty close to what he has always been. I agree. The batting average is going to get up there again, too. Yeah. There's the positive with the Rizzo deal, the negative, and this is zero fault of Anthony Rizzo, but it kind of feels like the Yankees want to run it back with what they had last year. And I think we learned very clearly that that was not enough to do what the Yankees want to do. And we know how good the starting rotation was in the front half of the season, right? The starting rotation was borderline perfect pre-All-Star break. I mean, that was the reason why they were the best team in baseball Mm -hmm. pre-All-Star break. Everybody was on their A game in the starting rotation. The bullpen was disgusting. Clay Ohms was him with a capital H. Um, and the offense was doing enough, and Judge had a career year. My question is, even with Aaron Judge breaking Roger Maris's home run record, hey, if Judge puts together another 50-plus homer season again next year, who's to say this team gets better? I like the idea of a financially secure Anthony Rizzo. All I'm saying is, if the Yankees actually want to get better, and if the Yankees have legitimate aspirations to win the World Series, they're going to need to do something a lot bigger than re-sign Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, absolutely. And the devil's advocate on that would be that, you know, they very well may do that. And I don't think there was a better option at first base for them than Anthony Rizzo. So this was like obligatory return the pieces that you needed to to even get to where you need to go. Now they're they're getting back to the status quo. And then now, you know, what are they going to do to put themselves over the top and over what they were in 2022? I think if they don't have Anthony Rizzo coming back here, they're going to be hard pressed to to make up for that production at first base, make up to for all the things that he brings, and then have to try to find those other upgrades as well. So I think this was an important step, but I agree with you. They got a lot more work to do. Everyone keeps noting, oh, well, he's friends with Aaron Judge. I'm pretty much banking on Aaron Judge coming back. I, I think that's that you got to assume that too. I as assume Judge is coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I assume Judge is coming back. How does this team get better beyond that? We'll see. But this contract didn't break the bank. You know, and that's the thing too. It's a six million option on the back end, so technically twenty million and quote unquote average annual value, but it's it's really seventeen. You know that they're really going to have to pay this year, so they're going to have a little bit more flexibility. I still think they trade Glaber Torres, which frees up around ten. Um, and, and I'm very interested to see what other kind of moves they can make to put them over the top. But I think this was an important first step. Let's swing around the infield real quick before we move on to Tyler Anderson here, um, catcher Trevino. Lock, he's he's the guy for the Yankees. First base, Rizzo, Lock, he's the guy for the Yankees after the extension. Who plays second base for the New York Yankees next year? It's a great question. Um, it's a really good question. I, I don't think it's Glaber. I don't think it's Glaber because you could go with so many different internal options, and I think they'd be they'd be better. You go with Peraza, right? Like if if you go with Peraza, that's somebody that I think is going to play better defense. He's a better athlete, and I think he can he can hit. You know, pretty darn good. I think he can give you an above average bat. Volpe, if he's ready, do you put him at shortstop? I guess the question is, what do they do at short? And and that's what we don't know yet. Are they going to go sign a big time shortstop? Are they going to, which I think would be weird, given that they've been hesitant to do so because of Volpe, you know, and his and his proximity to the big leagues. And that's the thing is the Yankees are always win now. And I agree that you, know, you should always be win now, especially if you're the New York Yankees. But then they don't want to block Anthony Volpe and they don't want to block, 
you know, some of these other guys. And, and, and it's, it's an interesting spot here because Volpe, it's very presumptuous to assume that, that Anthony Volpe can help you win next year. I think Volpe can be an all-star. I think he'd be phenomenal, but a rookie Anthony Volpe being J rod being some of these other guys that we see that are so rare that make that instant, instant, instant impact. That is very, very, very presumptive. So, I would like to see them get a shortstop. And then if Volpe proves that he's ready, start him at second base. He can always move over to short later, or or you can figure that out another time. I, I It's a really tough spot right now. And we know they're running it back with Donaldson. <laughs> yeah, we're, they're running it back with Donaldson at third base. You've got $60 million still committed to DJ LeMahieu as well. Uh, is is LeMahieu the second baseman? I guess that's your answer then, right? Right. And then Peraza is the shortstop. But what do you do with Isaiah Conner-Falefa? It it's they've that got infield a lot of also questions. isn't that good. That infield really no, isn't it's not that good. good. It's not a championship caliber infield. No. So and I think yeah. they're gonna look in the mirror and say either Donaldson, we we gotta just bite the bullet and, and get a real third baseman. Fuck Donaldson. I don't know That's, why he's still in this lineup. You know, he plays good defense. Who gives a shit? Who gives it, a shit? And then the other thing is, you know, you look in the mirror and say, okay, maybe Donaldson's not it. The other thing is. Let's get a shortstop. Forget about blocking prospects. We'll figure that out later. Let's get a freaking shortstop. Those are the two easiest, most obvious ways to upgrade. Because you're right. I mean, DJ LeMay, who's going to have to play second base or third. They've got a lot to figure out, and they handcuffed themselves badly with the DJ LeMahieu contract, which in hindsight, you know, I'm not going to bash them for that one. But trading for Donaldson as well. Like, though, both of those. You do one or the other. Both of those are really handcuffing them right now. And I don't know how they upgrade that infield. Dude, they are obsessed with immobile pop. I'm telling you, there is, there's something about the Yankees and dudes that can't move that can run into balls. Well, ironically, the guys that are coming up are not that, right? Yeah. Oswaldo Cabrera is going to be a factor for them in some way. I Super love Cabrera. Type. He's yeah. awesome. Again, Peraza, awesome. Volpe, awesome. Those are dynamic players. It seems like they're kind of waving the white flag on the infield. And saying let's let's upgrade in the outfield, and I mean that that's that's going to be a tough spot for them. So I'm very they, they might bring back Ben Attendi, and they might fully just say run it back with some small tweaks, which is not a win. It's not oh. a win for the Yankees, and this should be. I know Brian Cashman has the longest leash of like any executive in baseball history, but I mean you, you gotta you gotta hold Brian Cashman to the fire that he lit. If they run back an identical team and if their big moves are re-signing Rizzo, re-signing Benintendi, and obviously re-signing Judge. Yep, absolutely. I will say DJ, three-win player in 125 games. If he's healthy, maybe they look a little different in the postseason. He's still a very good player. It, it's it's really about Donaldson and and not taking that L. Take that freaking L. Just, just don't yeah, start him. That's it. an obvious place to upgrade. Eat it. Don't be stubborn. Um, the Angels made a signing that I actually really liked. Three like. years, 39 for Tyler Anderson. And Anderson was a guy that I, I think was, he wasn't slept on because he frankly wasn't that good at previous stops in his career. And then here he is with the Dodger bump, right? Similar to what Andrew Heaney just experienced with the Dodger bump. Anderson was one of the best pitchers in baseball, one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball this year, he had a great record, the good ERA, the changeup was excellent. How can he work cross town? He signs with the Angels three years, $39 million. Listen, we know that the Angels have questions everywhere except uh, Ace and DH, which is the <laughs> same guy. And uh, 
one of the outfield spots, which is Mickey Mantle reincarnate. So, I mean, you're looking at any way that you can improve. Thought Syndergaard and Lorenzen last year were solid additions to the starting rotation. The Tyler Anderson addition to the Angels rotation blows both of those moves out of the water. They just got a guy who can prove and pitch. And and it's funny because you know you hit the nail on the head. And, and when I, I see a lot of the the reaction was, oh well, you know, they're they're buying a little high on him. He's coming off of a, a year where the Dodgers they give you that bump, right? All of those things. I I agree. He's gonna regress a little bit naturally whether he's with the Dodgers or not but the contract reflects that this is not a big deal this is a three-year 39 million dollar deal for a guy who threw 178 and two-thirds innings last year to a 2570 ERA right like this is a guy that based on those numbers you would assume would bring in 15 to 20 million a year at least and he's not because I think it was kind of understood that they're expecting him to be that low to mid three ZRA guy. But if he can be that and eat 175 innings for them next year, that is a game changer for the angels. That was one of the big things they were missing consistency, not having that drop off uh, one or two days out of the rotation that just like, Oh shit, we got to score seven runs today. Right? Like this is somebody that I think is going to give them that, that three, 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 five ERA could be a little bit better than that. And for 13 million a year over three years as a lefty vet, that's kind of been there. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think this is a perfect addition for the angels at a low cost. Uh, They probably gave him that third year. A lot of other teams were probably trying to go to worth it. I don't think you're going to regret this one. It's can't really burn you like some of their other deals. I think this really, really, really is a great first step for the angels. And I've continued to say, I believe in Perry Manas. Last year was a mess. I don't think it was his fault. He inherited a mess. And I still think Perry Manassian can, can write this ship. I really do. I'll die on that hill, I guess. No, I I'm, I'm right there with you. We can hold hands while we die together. If you want, um, I, I'm works for me, him. man. I mean, like he didn't give Rendon all that money. He didn't give Justin Upton all that money. He didn't give Pujols all that money. And guess what? The latter two are off the books. So, and Rendon, let's pray he's healthy. If he's healthy and even a three war guy, that is so much more than they've been getting from that position period. So I really like this addition. I think it's a good, it's a good move for them. So introducing the just baseball extension Venn diagram or free agent deal Venn diagram, where you've got, predictive contracts and reactive contracts, and they meet in the middle for a blend of two. A predictive contract looks like what the White Sox handed Luis Robert Deloy Jimenez before they even debuted, or Wander Franco with Tampa, right? You sign him to that massive deal. How about Fernando Tatis Jr.? Um, a reactive contract is what Jerry DePoto gave Robbie Ray, right? Robbie yeah. Ray has one good year, he all of a sudden gets an $100 million deal. A, a reactive contract is what Ross Atkins gave Kevin Gosman, and that looks a lot better. The blend of the two is the kind of deal that Tyler Anderson just got. It is mm-hmm. reactive because who would have thought before this season that Tyler Anderson was a multi-year $40 million Yeah, I was saying no one's giving him three. No one's giving nobody, him three years. Nobody, especially at 13 per, nobody's giving him that. But if you look at Tyler Anderson and excuse everything before and just look at 2022, this is a five-year, $80 million arm. So let's meet in the middle. Let's go three for 40, and this makes perfect sense. This is that perfect blend in the middle of that Venn diagram of a predictive contract and a reactive contract. Yep, and I love it. That's that. Um, All right, (laughs) 
How about this one? Uh, San Diego and, and Robert Suarez, five years, 46. Do I have those numbers right? I mean, no. that is crazy. Yep. Crazy. And then here they are wheeling and dealing again. And you've got the Padres and Nick Martinez agreeing to a three years and $26 million. Hey, hey I, my hands are up on Nick Martinez because we gave them shit for the four-year deal and he was so good, he opted out of it and just got a three-year pay up, like pay upgrade here. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta say, my hands are tied on Nick Martinez. So, okay. um, the Suarez crazy. I, I don't know, man. That they, 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 they seem to be okay with those deals. So I don't have a ton to add on that. Martinez was great for them. Suarez, obviously, they really like what they see in the stuff and believe it's sustainable. Um, we'll have to see on that. I'll never believe that relievers are sustainable no matter how good they are but that's fine we're seeing teams across the league defy that and martinez is is a hybrid so i'm a little bit less reluctant to give him a multi-year deal because he you can stretch him out a little bit yeah um all right staying uh west let's go al west um because i i do want to hit that trade the teoscar hernandez trade in a moment but first a rumor um, that was validated by baseball's Jerry Jones. Um, I, I love that Passon made that <laughs> count because we did that 24 hours prior to when Passon made that count. Literally 24 hours prior. I was like, this guy's acting like he's Jerry Jones. And then Jim boom, Crane, the, the Astros the, the... owner. Yeah. So if we were to put yeah. together like um, it, like Jerry Jones power rankings, number one, I think right now is Jim Irsay. Uh, the owner of the Colts who had Jeff Saturday appointed as like the head coach and all that. Yeah. Number two is Jim Crane. And then number three on the Jerry Jones power rankings is probably Jerry Jones right now. So yes. Uh, yeah. Jim Crane. Jerry Jones is, is the worst of the three at being Jerry Jones. I, I think so right now. Yes. Uh, so number two on the Jerry Jones power rankings, uh, Jim Crane, uh, he said, quote, I know him well. So we've been pretty candid uh, candid in, in regards to Justin Verlander. He's looking at the comp, which I think there's only one or two. JV's probably got a few years yet, and he wants to make the most of it. I think he's going to test the market on that. That is in regards to him wanting a Scherzer-type deal. Three years, $130 million. He's going to get it from somebody. Personally, I hope Houston gives it to him because mm -hmm. Justin Verlander and the Astros, like that feels like where Verlander should end his career. But... If the Texas Rangers come calling, if one of those major markets come calling, I don't blame him. He has earned three years, 130. If Scherzer has earned three years, 130. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's not like the Scherzer deal went bad. Like, I know he didn't have a great uh, postseason appearance there, but he was one of the best pitchers in baseball through the course of the year. Had some injuries, sure. But, you know, I, I would say that Verlander might have a little bit less tread on his tires than Scherzer because of how rested he has been over the last two years really and when we saw that he had a little bit of that that flare up at the end but that was about it real quick too weird flex from crane obviously you know one of your players your, your hall of fame pitcher on the team that you own like pretty well like Dude, weird flex don't like him i know of course not and no one likes jerry jones for a reason too weird flex on that one and also like it is a testament to to how hands-on he is though right as he's having uh, apparently having these conversations with Justin Verlander. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Astros end up end up stepping up here. I mean, this is a Hall of Fame pitcher. You, know, you pay a Hall of Fame pitcher. And I, I think there's a level of Verlander being willing to maybe make that third. I, this is totally presumptive, obviously. 
making that third year an option, a mutual option, right? He doesn't even know if he wants to pitch three years from now, right? Like it, he does. I'll tell you right now, you, he does. Yeah, you say I know that now, Justin Verlander dude, well. You know how many things can happen in 700 days? Like he could get, you know, just be fighting through injuries. He could be continuing to, you know, still performing on the field, but fighting through whatever. Like so much can change in two years, right? And um, I, I, I could see a two-year deal if, if they if they make it worth enough. Maybe being something that Verlander will agree to, but the Astros have have shown to not be willing to to, to pay at points. But what I will say is like most of their rotation is cheap and controllable. This isn't a 10 year deal. So in the two years or three years that you're paying Justin Verlander, you still got Javier on an arbitration deal, right? You've still got most of your guys, Framber on on an arbitration deal under team control. You've got most of your dudes in that rotation under team control, that that should make it a no-brainer. And also your starting superstar shortstop now in the making is under team control. And you've already got Altuve reasonably locked up, Bregman reasonably locked up, right? Jordan yeah. um, reasonably locked up. Yeah, very make reasonably this your locked one big expenditure, and it's, and it's short-term. No-brainer for me. No-brainer for me as well. And, you know... Eight years from now, hopefully we're still doing this this pod and it's a giant and you know, maybe maybe we're doing it in the same room instead of via Zoom. But you know, when Verlander is up for the Hall of Fame, when when we have that Hall of Fame conversation with Justin Verlander, like I'm so excited for the baseball fan to go back and look at Justin Verlander's baseball reference page in in, in a decade or maybe two decades, because you go back and you look at a lot of these guys, these all-time pitching greats. And I like to go back and look at Randy Johnson's reign of dominance in the steroid era. And how about Pedro Martinez's reign of dominance and Sandy Koufax, his reign of dominance. These things, they're they're always within time constraints in somebody's career. They may have a slow ascension. They may have a slow decline. But there is this tangible peak. With Justin Verlander, He's been so fucking good for so fucking long. I mean, when he was in Detroit, this guy, when he won MVP in 2011, he was 24 and five with a 2 4 ERA, 250 innings, and a, and a sub one whip. Um, that was 2011 at 28 years old. 29 years old, finishes second in Cy Young voting, 238 innings, 239 strikeouts. Those both led Major League Baseball. He had a 2 6 4 ERA, age 28 and 29 seasons. Age 36 season in 2019, he finishes first in Cy Young voting. He's 21 and six with a 258, 223 innings, 300 strikeouts. 2018, the year before that, when he's 35 years old, how about 34 starts, 214 innings? He led the American League in strikeouts. And then how about age 39 in 2022? The guy leads the American League in wins, ERA, uh, whip, and hits per nine. This guy's going to win another Cy Young. What he has done over the course of his career from age 24 in his first all-star appearance, how about 23 when he was American league rookie of the year to age 39. I mean, we're talking what 15 years later, it's incredible how long he's been this good. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And, and I think that's why you gotta, you gotta give him the money, right? Like there's, there's a little there. And again, we talked about it. um, I talked about it with Peter when we were talking just, just performers and breaking it down and, we, he's he's got the stuff still, but he he's just continued to get better as a pitcher. You know, he's he's he can finesse too. So he's finesse with still good stuff. He's not going anywhere. He's not slowing down anytime soon. 
No, not at all. Um, all right, let, let's jump to the trade here because that's the big one. Teoscar Hernandez, the all-star from the Blue Jays, is going from Toronto to Seattle for reliever Eric Swanson and pitching prospect Adam Mako. We talked about Mako, who is from Bratislava, Slovakia, uh, on the call-up. So if you want to break down a Mako, you can go over to the call-up. Um, that's on the same episode as, as going through the front half of baseball's um, you know, Rule 5 and 40-man and decisions, as well as uh, a couple of those minor trades like Nolan Jones going to Colorado. But uh, Teoscar Hernandez for a big league setup man and a really, really good one in Swanson and a good pitching prospect in Adam Mako seems like a mutually beneficial deal. We mentioned it on the call-up. Feels like it was relatively light, even though it's only one year at Teoscar. And I think it's a testament to the value of Swanson, right? I mean, this is a rare big league for big leaguer swap. And I think with just a slight more value, of course, of a bat, even though it's only one year of control, you're going to go, you know, get that, that, you know, decent prospect as well. And Adam Mako probably slots into the back end of their top 10, maybe closer to, you know, 12, 13 range in their, in their top prospect list, but Swanson under control, 2023, 2024, 2025. So you're getting a very, very, very good reliever under three years of control. And, and I, I've, you know, made it very clear. I don't believe unless you've got, you know, Edwin Diaz on an Edwin Diaz year. I don't believe in that like clear cut closer. I believe in those bullpen aces and yeah. you got Jordan Romano and now you've got Swanson and now you've got a, just another bullpen ace type guy that can close games for you. I think he'll have 10 to 15 saves for them next year. Like he's going to play a huge role for them. And I think they needed this more than they needed Tay Oscar because I think they can replace something close to Tay Oscar's production. They just got a reliever. They got a much needed pitching prospect. I think they needed that depth in that system as well. And now they clear up some money to, to kind of go reinvest it. Maybe they go get a Conforto. Maybe they go get somebody else. Because even though it was the last year of his deal before he hits free agency, he was probably making around $10 million, uh this year, uh, Tay Oscar was. So they're able to kind of reapply that elsewhere. Do you know how right-handed this Blue Jays lineup was? Oh, they need a, yeah, they need a lefty so bad. That's why I thought so Winker bad. might be coming back in this one. But I don't think they wanted Winker. And we can, no. I actually want to talk about Winker a little bit too um, right after this. But... What I will say is to get a reliever of Swanson's caliber, look at the market right now, yeah. right? Look at, so I think they're looking at it from that perspective too, right? You're seeing the deal Montero is getting. And I would argue Swanson is, is just as good and is proven just better. as much, if not better, right? With you have three, you're getting three years of Swanson, which would have cost you probably 39, $40 million the way it's looked right now. And if that's the case, no brainer trade. I know everyone's saying, oh, like you're looking at this really good outfielder who who hits really well, even though he shook off a slow start. To me, it's like in terms of open market value, they're not that far apart. And you get the prospect. To me, it's a no brainer. I think it was a really good deal for, for both sides. And we can get to the Mariners perspective as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I do want to stay on the Blue Jays for a moment because, you know, you could look at this and say, OK, a reliever and a pitching prospect, you know, is that is that the, the calling for an all star bat? I love the point you bring up with with reliever value right now, and not just in the free agency conversation. How about we go back to the deadline and we look at uh, the the deals for David Robertson and Scott Efros with mm -hmm. the Cubs, right? I mean, Robertson for Ben Brown. Ben Brown is a great pitching prospect, and then you look at Scott Efros. It was a one one swap deal with Hayden Wisniewski. So here you are getting five years of a thirty year old sidewinder in Efros for a guy that immediately slots into the Cubs rotation for the next five, six years. Yeah. 
No, it's yeah. it's it, it shows you the value there, right? And and yeah. it was unfortunate that Frost went down with an injury. Can't predict those things. But Wisniewski's a, a borderline top 100 prospect now with the way he looked in his cameo at the big league level. And and that's the value. Like you said, multiple years of control for good relievers. That is the value because of how expensive it is to get these guys in the open market. Now, I will say, I do think that Toronto could have done better. But for a while now, Teoscar Hernandez has been on the quote-unquote trade block. And we talked about this on the call-up. Feel like Ross Atkins showed his hand with Teoscar Hernandez. Feel like Teoscar has been available for a while. Teams knew that they could call on him. You will always get a better return if you feel like you can't call on a guy because you feel like they are, oh, you know, that's an all-star. They're probably untouchable unless the perfect deal comes across their desk. If you know that a guy's available, you're not going to give them the perfect deal right away. You're, no. you're going to give them something and, and talk about it and, and bargain to a point where you can meet at an agreement. That was my thought on it. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that they could have got more like that stupid trade machine that I can't stand, right? Oh, like, I love it. If, if you plug in the trade machine, they could have got more like prospect value. Let's say they got a three prospect package. Sure. They could have got more prospect value, but then they're still searching for a back end reliever. So for them, I think they'd rather take 85, 90 cents on the dollar and get that guaranteed bullpen guy that they want. And, and maybe a, a guy in Mako that they do like as a pitching prospect. When you look at what, what Seattle gets here though. Yes. yes. Right. They give up Swanson, but they've spawned relievers, right? And and they've got guys coming up like Munoz, like Brash, who they may use a little bit as a starter. Not sure yet, but they've got so many dudes out of that pen that, that, that they're okay with selling high on Swanson to get a bat, right? From their perspective, it's like we just traded a reliever and that we like pretty much you know blossomed with us and a mid level prospect, and and we just got a bat, right? And they're gonna most likely lose Mitch Hanniger in free agency. You just added a more athletic and more durable Mitch Hanniger. And I love Mitch Hanniger. Like whoever picks him up, I'm going to say it's a great pickup. But you just added a better Mitch Hanniger for what? A reliever and a mid-level prospect. So uh, for both sides, great deal. And I think Teoscar is exactly what the Mariners needed here. Gives them a little bit more athleticism. And I think will give them a little bit more consistent production. I'm looking at this bullpen and I'm like, yeah, they they really don't need Eric. Well, they get Spotsy. Sadler back too. Sadler was out the whole year, and I think that probably factored into it. So what you're looking at here is Seawald, Sadler, Diego Castillo, Andres Munoz, Chris Flexen, Penn Murphy, Matthew Festa, and Matt Brash, who you didn't even know was a reliever coming into the 2022 season. And you're right, they might try him as a starter, but hell, he was excellent as a setup man for them. So you have this gluttony of riches in the bullpen. You frankly didn't need Eric Swanson, even though he was like a 1-5 ERA guy. So use that breakout campaign to your advantage here. Swinging around the lineup for Seattle, you're going to put Teoscar in left, I assume, right? J-Rod's yeah. the center fielder. Right is going to be Kelnick, Sam Haggerty. I don't know. They might, um, well, the, the reportedly not done. Ryan DeVish, I believe, you know, from Seattle Times said that right, yeah. they might be looking more. And, and I think you can consider Winker gone. I think, I think oh, you can consider yeah. Winker gone. Hell yeah. Because if you're going to take a struggling lefty, I'd rather see Kelnick sink or swim than, than uh, if somebody who's too lazy to, you know, really get himself right. Correct. I would love to see a middle infielder added and maybe a corner masher. So what do you do? With, you just extended J.P. Crawford. Why, why? I have no idea. No clue. 
And I think he's one of the worst regulars at shortstop in the game. I know he got off to a great start and I like JP. Like, don't get me wrong. He's a big leaguer. He belongs, but he belongs in, in a different role. He doesn't belong as one of your main pieces. Like what he did last year is what he has done annually for the last four years, which is a high 600s OPS solid defense that I think gets a little bit overrated and not really much speed. That's going to change anything either. I think he's a leader. I think he brings some things to the table. I think he should absolutely be on that team. But, I mean, what are we doing here? This is a team that could get so much better and isn't because they have attached themselves the last several years to J.P. Crawford, who, by the way, makes $11 million next year, $11 million in 2024, $11 million in 2025, and $12 million in 2026. You're telling me you're going to tell that guy to sit on the bench? No. Might I point you to the narrative? He is bottom of the barrel in terms of everyday shortstops in Major League Baseball, right? Is he and Baez at this point? Yeah. Uh, now, what if you move him to second base? Right? High 600s defense is slightly elevated at second base as opposed to shortstop because you don't have to stress about the arm. Uh, he, he immediately becomes an average or above average second baseman. I oh, think. no, he's a well above average second baseman. Okay, so if he's a well above average second baseman, why don't you just spend for Xander Bogarts? I think Seattle is going to go for Bogarts or Dansby Swanson. I do. I would love that. I would love that. Trade Winker clears up a little bit more money. Trade so Winker for soda money, honestly. <laughs> Take it out of Moneyball. <laughs> like, get him off of your team. I mean, it's 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 crazy to me that you know the stories that we've seen from Ryan Devish on on Winker, and honestly, you can, you can kind of like I don't want to body shame on this pod, but like we're talking about professional athletes here. Jesse Winker, when he's wearing that like that that pregame like athletic shirt, does not like it, it did cross my mind before I saw that report a few times. I'm like, that guy does not look like a like he's in big league shape, right? And then it comes out that you know this guy shows up to the ballpark a little lethargically, like doesn't work out as hard, doesn't do as much, whatever, and you could see it on the field. Uh, it's not a great clubhouse guy. I expect them to move on from him. And it was you know, surprising and disappointing because uh, that was a big part of the trade that that they made with the Reds. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see you know where where he goes. Yeah, but it turns out to be the Eugenio Suarez trade and not the yep. Jesse Winker trade. So right. uh, pretty, pretty interesting to see how, how that trade um, and that narrative shifted over the course of a single season. Um, what else jumps to mind? Bryce Harper jumps to mind. Bryce Harper is going to have elbow surgery, I think, next week. That's yep. what was reported. They had no idea. Like, they've got no idea if it's going to be Tommy John until they get in there, apparently. <laughs> I don't know how that works. It's like, yeah, it might be. No, we'll honestly, so I, I can actually speak to that. Um, when I got my shoulder surgery, they couldn't tell, which is crazy, 2022. They couldn't tell the severity of of the tear in my labrum. And they said, based on how bad the tear is, you're either going to wake up with a sling like attached to your body or you'll wake up with more of like a loose sling or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm waking up with a sling attached to my body. Like the mystery lollipop. Sure. I knew for sure. But like it's sometimes I got to go in there and find out. So, you know, it, it is uh, it is wild. I will say, you know. 
we're not doctors. You obviously hope Tommy John is not the case because if it's if it's a partial tear that they're able to kind of just you know, clean it up and fix it however they do that without fully replacing the ligament, then the return is going to be, you know, the timeline will be shorter. What I will say, though, is Shohei Otani underwent that Tommy John and came back as a hitter within about six to, to eight months, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so Bryce Harper should be back by the early next season regardless. Which is crazy. <laughs> we're talking about Harper in the same light as Shohei Otani. And I, you know, we're, we're not comparing what they do, but you're right. That's immediately where my mind went to. It's, oh, I okay. think if Shohei Otani can come back that quick, I think, I think Bryce Harper can. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, my thought there was, okay, like Otani, he needs to be really careful because this guy's trying to pitch. We know Bryce Harper just played the overwhelming majority of this year with a torn UCL. So yeah. what does a recovering UCL look like? I don't, I don't think it's worse than something that's torn. No, it's. I think it's really just legitimately having the capability to throw the baseball from the outfield, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think it impacted his swing too much. I mean, he did wear that sleeve. Maybe it did a little bit, but it's also a testament to, to how freaking good this guy is, right? To do what he did with the elbow, with the thumb, you know, with all the issues that he was kind of, that were kind of nagging him. He's only going to feel better, right? And also, it is so important. I know he's not a gold glover out there, but it's so important to get Harper out there in the outfield and get Schwarber out of there. Maybe Cassiano some days out of there as well and just have a semi-competent dude out there. That is going to help the Phillies defense a lot. Um, I saw somebody on on Twitter. I think I sent this in the group. I saw you said Schwarber and, and my mind immediately came to this. Like rule five protection, 40-man protections um, came through and you know, obviously I'm, I'm ingrained in pirates Twitter now. Um, and they didn't protect Blake Sable, which was really interesting. I think that's a guy that can go with the rule five. I really do. Uh, yes. Malcolm Nunez, another guy too. That, that Just can saw a lot of Sable do that guy's got a big pop, good catcher. That's a surprising one. It's because they've got Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez and whoever Sable, you know, again, we're going to be doing that like top rule five draft prospect breakdown. Um, cause there's going to be some talent that can actually help teams this year. And, uh, Sable will definitely be one of the names that, that we're discussing. Yeah. Another one that wasn't protected was Mason Martin. Mason Martin has a, a ton of juice, but someone's going to take him. I think you think so. I, I think someone might take a shot. So he's got he, so much pop. He strikes out a lot. Oh, he strikes out a lot, a lot, a lot. But he does have a lot of juice. And I saw somebody on Twitter. It was just like a fan account, I want to say. And, and I think it was like a fan account devoted to Blake Sable. But they they comped That's Mason. They comped Mason Martin to Kyle Schwarber. And I was like, don't do that. Don't <laughs> do that. I don't want to hear every slugger that strikes out a lot comp to Kyle Schwarber. I don't because Schwarber, even though like, even if he strikes out 200 times in a given year, he's going to hit 40 homers. So it's going to walk a ton. Martin, how did, how much does Mar- how did Martin walk this year? Eh, decent bit, but like, it's not, it's not just a conversation unique to Mason Martin, right? Like we yeah. talk about, um, I mean, there are constant comps, right? Um, every big that can kind of dribble in the NBA is comp to a young Kevin Garnett. Is he not? Like, I mean, yeah. And well, now you got some like Jokic will be the next wave or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Big man that can pass. Oh, Jokic light. I, I don't need to hear slugger that strikes out a lot is Kyle well, Schwarber. And look, we'll look at Schwarber's minor league numbers. I think people don't realize that like if your minor league numbers are like Schwarber's big league numbers, then the big league numbers for that guy are probably not going to be like Schwarber's big league numbers. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the way that we're comparing apples to oranges here. Right. Um, It's just, it's just totally different. Um, I do want to talk about Jock Peterson. 
Yes, I want to talk about Jock too. Uh, before we do that, there were two guys that accepted the qualifying offer. I feel like the Peterson conversation is going to be a little bit longer than the Martin Perez conversation. Martin Perez accepts the qualifying offer from uh, the Texas Rangers. Get it's one year, 19.65. You know how they get to that number? It's something like you average out, um, you know, the, a certain number of the top contracts signed AAV. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something along those lines. But Martin Perez accepting the qualifying offer. I thought that he was one of the locks that was going to accept it. I'm glad that he did. Um, there was a chance Perez could have gotten like three years, 35. I like one year, 19.65 in a situation that obviously was good for Martin Perez. It's good for both sides, right? You know, Texas Rangers obviously want to spend. If Martin Perez gives you 75 to 80% of what he gave you this past year, it, it's a great contract. But here's the thing. I'm willing to to roll the dice on a one on a one year, like prove it again type of situation with Perez. At, even at less money, I'm not willing to find out if Perez can do this for three straight years no. right? or even do anything close to it. Hell so no. I think for the Rangers who are looking to just get as good as they can as soon as possible – this is a great move for them. It was a win-win. Turns it down, you get the draft pick. You're, they're going to make trades anyways. It allows them to replenish the farm system. He accepts it. Great. You got one of your best pitchers last year, arguably your best pitcher last year, back. And look, I believe in what he did. I think he took a page out of the Dallas Keuchel book. And look, it would have kept working for Dallas Keuchel if he was throwing faster than 84, right? Martin Perez can still sit in those low 90s and, 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 and make it work, right? So- yeah. I, I think this is going to be a similar year next year. I think we're going to see. And again, he threw 196 innings. So you're going to get an innings eater, even if he's in the mid three fives, like we talked about with Tyler Anderson, mid three fives at 20 million to pitch 190 innings. It's not the worst deal in the world. What you think about Jock, sweetheart? I liked it, man. I like it. I Look, for the Giants, phenomenal, right? You, you, it's expensive. It's probably more than he would have made AAV. But this guy put it together last year, right? The conversation with Barry Bonds, whatever clicked for him. Everything that got better is something that I'm sustainably like believing in, right? His contact rates were better. His approach was better. He even hit lefties a little bit better, though still sheltered. When he did face them, he was better. Uh, Everything looked better. And we know how talented he is. So I like this from his perspective. This is Jock Peterson saying, Okay, if the market, if one year, if 460 plate appearances wasn't enough for, you know, me to earn that five year deal, let me run it back for 19.6 million and I'll prove to you that I can do it again. And if he does it again, he's getting a five year, 70 plus million dollar deal, right? If he does what he did last year again, a 144 WRC plus, if I'm remembering correctly, he will get paid a, a much bigger deal. After making a higher AAV off of this year, it's almost like the Kirk Cousins franchise tag, right? Take the franchise tag, make your money, and prove it again. And I think he will prove it again. Dude, you're crazy. 144 WRC plus for Jock Peters. Was that what it was? Yeah, you're crazy. Hell yeah. How's your social life, by the way? (laughs) How's my social life? Um, We'll we'll save that for another time. (laughs) Um, Can you go to the splits? How many plate appearances against lefties? I think it was yes. 56 at bats, against, maybe 56 at bats against lefties. Hold on. I'm going to another site. Uh, While you do that, I will say the Giants have a lot they still need to figure out. Like, this is a good return 
like a good guy to, to return, but they've still got a lot to figure out. 49 at bats, oh. 57 plate appearances. All right, I know it's close. And he um, hit 245. He had a 740 OPS. Saying. I, I want to see him get more chances against lefties. Now, he said that was something he was going to pride himself on. And I think that's another reason why he wants to run it back. Like, let me face more lefties and prove that I can do it. If he hits lefties well and produces a 130 WRC plus, then we're going to see a big contract for him next year. I'm excited. I'm excited. The Giants still have a lot to figure out. A lot. Right. It feels like they're doing it via Zoom. Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi are doing it via Zoom. I got to pull this thing up. This was the dumbest shit that I've seen in quite mm-hmm. a while. Gabe Kapler was sitting in a Starbucks in the San Francisco area, Zooming with Farhan Zaidi. There were a couple of issues that I had with this video that was tweeted out uh, from Justin Andrews, who's an anchor and reporter at KPIX, KPIX uh, in San Francisco. So Kapler not only is Zooming with the general manager and the it, Farhan might be the president of baseball operations, but Zooming with the lead guy with the San Francisco Giants in a Starbucks in a public place like but he, okay, how do I describe this? He's at a Starbucks, and he's got this laptop sitting on top of his Starbucks coffee. So he's not even drinking it. He can't easily go to no, the cup to drink not. while on the Zoom. He's using it as an elevated stand, maybe to make his jawline look better. Gabe Kapler is a is a weird dude. <laughs> um I think a lot of what he does is eyewash, like not eating a cake on his birthday. Come on, man. Uh, and this Zooming with Farhan Zaidi in a Starbucks in Northern California, eyewash. Look, I, okay, I get it from the perspective of like, yeah, go do some work at a Starbucks and hope, you know, nobody notices you. This is a big meeting probably, right? or, or maybe he's catching up with Farhan. I have no idea. But Zooming with Farhan in a public place and being like, oh, well, I, I can't believe people recognize me over here. This is crazy. Who does that? Like, who does that? And again, I, I talked about this with you earlier. Like, this is literally the equivalent of going to the super busy part of your college library, sitting there, pretending to study and praying that people like recognize you and top you and say hello, like, so you can get your attention. Like, this is very, very, very weird behavior from Gabe Kapler. Also, what do you think he's drinking? Like, what what kind of coffee? I, I I'm telling you. Well, I want to hear yours first, and I'll tell you what I think he's drinking. So I tweeted it out. I quote tweeted. I said, um, I assume grande non-fat peppermint mocha. Obviously, hold the whipped cream. I'm Gabe Kapler. See, that was wrong. No okay. shot. He has any sugar in his coffee. Peppermint Fair. mocha, no shot. Fair. And 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 any no dairy. It's got to be a vegan almond milk. Is Oat he milk just has like too much sugar. Pike Place Black? Yeah, I think it's Pike Place Black with a splash of almond milk, and he like emphasizes splash. Yeah, like I don't need much. Like when you go to Chipotle and it's like, I want a little bit of sour cream, but not yeah. too much sour cream. I no. can see him doing that. Pants super tight. Um, and oh my goodness, can't believe that people recognize me at Starbucks. Gabe Kapler, just one of us. <laughs> He's just a common man. <laughs> on, yeah. on Zoom with far. I, I always Zoom general managers in the middle of Starbucks as well. I mean, me too. Me too. Yeah. I anybody. Um, whenever I find myself like, huh, could this person be interpreted as famous? Let me go to a public place and Zoom them there. Correct. So yeah, good on Gabe Kapler for being a a clout chaser in Northern California. But they do have a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, if it's not New York, San Francisco feels like the spot for for Aaron Judge. 
Um, if they don't pull the trigger on Judge, feels like they'll they'll make a very solid effort at one of these four major shortstops. Mm-hmm. You think Sam Fran's going to be the biggest spender? Um, I think in a weird way, it'll end up being the Yankees. They already paid Rizzo. They already pay. They're going to pay Judge, I think, and then they're, they're going to have to do something else. So. I think technically it's the Yankees, but outside of that, because that's kind of a cop-out, I think realistically San Francisco has to be the biggest spenders. You can't count on your prospects to help you. Marco Luciano is not saving you. Uh, He's even got some things he needs to figure out. Most of your other guys are still far off. Elliot Ramos is a bust. Joey Bart doesn't look great. Uh, They need to go from the outside. And this is a franchise that's not going to rebuild, right? They are not, they're going to do what the Cubs did. And, And I think that's, even more so that they're not even going to do what the Cubs did. Like they are going to try to piece it together as soon as possible with pieces that they think, you know, can be good for the foreseeable future. I don't see them doing, you know, two year Jose Abreu. I see them going for, you know, five, six, seven year guys that'll help them in the short term to just put up the facade of competitiveness. Cause I really don't think that they're going to gain it all back next year. And then, you know, continue to build and try to be competitive in two or three years. I think they're going to spend big. Uh, because this is the one opportunity, I think, in the shortstop market. Um, but I, I, I just don't know how they're going to piece it all together, man. And it's they're going to need a lot more Starbucks Zooms to figure this thing out. <laughs> Shit, maybe he moves to a mom-and-pop coffee spot. Uh, you know what? Maybe he sits with a wall at his back next time instead of just having the wide-open area behind him. He is literally having the laptop up against the window and everybody can see the screen in the coffee shop. I want to go through like kind of you know piece by piece what the Giants have, how many they need to add in each spot. Starting rotation as it stands right now is Logan Webb, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, Jacob Junis, Anthony DiSclefani. Based on the conversations and based on the the remarks that Farhan Zaidi and others around the Giants have made, it feels like Kyle Harrison will be up before the All-Star break. Yes. So let's slot in Kyle Harrison here. There's Webb. your one saving grace, by the way. Good correct. Good good yes. catch there. There we go. But like Jairo Pomares, who we thought was was primed for a breakout, was I not added to the 40-man roster. Hunter Bishop, previous first-round pick, not added to the 40-man roster. Um, so you've had a bunch of flubs here. Luis Mato sucked this past year. He wasn't um, much better in the fall league. Yeah, but but here we are looking at Webb, Harrison, Wood, Cobb, Junis, DiSclefani. You need another starter, I think, right? Or you just roll with those six? No, you need a starter. You need a starter. I um, I wouldn't hate like Andrew Heaney. I wouldn't hate like a, a guy like that. But again, like they're, they're trying to do more, right? The, the the guy that I like the most for them, DeGrom. and that I think could be a real what? what DeGrom. DeGrom. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, no. Like that that doesn't even help you in the long term. For later. <laughs> I, I I really 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 think that, and I'm trying to blank on his name because I gotta get I gotta nail down. These these Japanese pitchers' names. I oh, Sanga, Sanga, yeah. Kodai Sanga, yeah. Kodai Sanga, Kodai Sanga makes the most sense for me because you're going to get him on a five year deal. He might not be immediately great. He might you know take a year or two, whatever. But this is a, a roll of the dice because Sanga could be a lot better than what he's going to be priced at. Right, the expectations around 75, 80 million. You don't, you don't have to pay a posting fee, which is big too. Um. If if he he has more upside than eighty million dollars, right? He could be even better than that. He's touched one hundred two. He's got a disgusting changeup. He's got Tanaka splitter. upside. Who was one fifty five yeah. and was worth it, correct. So these are the kind of risks 
you have to take if you're going to try to expedite this, 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 it's not a rebuild, expedite this correction, right? It, it's to roll the dice on expensive guys who could theoretically be even more expensive and, and, and try to bring them over. Um, and they've, they've never been afraid of the international market. They've never been afraid of, of getting guys from Japan or Korea. And I think this is the perfect addition for them. Uh, the bullpen, I think, is fine. Like, you've got a bunch of guys that can make it work. Doval, Harling Garcia, Brebia, Tyler Rogers, Alex Young, Delaplane, Junior. Yeah, Marquez. they'll sign a guy or two and whatever. Maybe. But, <laughs> like, the, this lineup is laughable right now. It's brutal, dude. Your, like, your catchers. I, I'm just going to run through these names. Like, it, it's incredible. You guys much- like this team going into this year. It, like, it, I, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that dude, you guys liked this team. It, like, it I, hurts- I'm never going to hamper. I'm never going to rip you for takes, but like that was one where like it was you two versus me and that's fine. But I was like, what do you guys like here? Dude, this team I, blows and it's I, worse. I kind of want to do a dramatic reading of the position players here. Please do it. Joey Bart, Austin wins, JD Davis, Lamont Wade Jr., Wilmer Flores, Tyro Estrada, Tommy Listella, David VR, Jason Vossler, Brandon Crawford, Jock Peterson, Elliot Ramos, Mike Yastrzemski, Austin Slater, Luis Gonzalez. I the team fucking sucks. It sucks. It sucks. So and I'm gonna I'm gonna push my agenda another time here. But at what point do we say Farhan Zaidi look in the mirror? I know they had this insane season last year. I get it. It was phenomenal. Everything came together, but their system has not progressed the way we thought it would. The team is heading in what seems like the wrong direction. I'm going to give them one more year and see how this goes. But we celebrate Farhan Zaidi as this genius. Let's see a little bit more. What I will say is that 107 win team had Brandon Bell, who's not on the roster right now. Evan Longoria, who's not on the roster right now. Buster Posey, who's not on the roster right now. Darren Ruff, who's not on the roster right now. And a Brandon Crawford who had a career year. Yeah. And then you didn't even get to the pitchers, right? I, who else was, who else was on that team that that was not on the team last year? Um, going to Baseball Reference. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Kevin Gosman, Johnny yep. Cueto. Yep. Um, I'm looking at overall B WAR leaders. Kevin Gosman was second. He's not on the team right now. Posey was fifth. He's not on the team right now. Darren Ruff was sixth. He's not on the team right now. Belt was seventh. Uh, Longoria was ninth. Steven Duggar <laughs> is not on the team right now. So that's what's five of the top 10, six of the top 10 yep. that are no longer on the team. And then they expected, you know, veterans who had career years to, to replicate that. Uh, yeah, they're in a horrible spot. Very interested wow. to see what they do. Aaron Judge. <laughs> what? Yeah, Aaron Judge. Judge, Judge will change it all. Eek. Oi. Uh, anything else we got to hit? Xavier Edwards to the Marlins. Yes. Xavier Edwards JT to the Marlins. JT Chagua. Chagua. Uh, also Nolan going to the Jones Marlins. The Rockies. Yeah. We went over those on the call up. We went very in depth. Let's yeah, just say, go check that out. If you want to hear about prospect returns and all that good stuff. I will say, though, Nolan Jones going to the Rockies here. Yeah. Um, Pick him up in fantasy if you're a fantasy. This guy could mash. Plus, plus Rob Power gets on base, could mash at cores. We go into that deeper on the call-up as well. 
and he's going to get the chance to hit a lot against right-handed pitching. Hell a yeah. lot against right-handed pitching. So, yeah, <laughs> shit, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I think that's it, man. A lot of stuff uh, really exciting happening at Just Baseball. Editorial side, we've got a bunch happening right now. You want your top 50 free agent database. We've got your top 50 free agent database. That's live on the site. We're, we're updating it every time somebody agrees to a deal. Um, a whole bunch of other editorial stuff. Again, we're going to hammer the shit out of the Rule 5 draft. And for a oh, comprehensive yeah. look at, at who is 40-man protected, who is not, go over to the call-up. Arm and I are, are kind of guiding you through uh, each of that. We did the front half of Teams alphabet alphabetically yesterday. Uh, back half is coming out a little bit later today. Um, I think that's it. Exciting stuff podcast-wise coming. And uh, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's all we got. Just did a cool interview with Tanner Bybee, top 100 prospect with the Guardians over on the call-up. Check that out. And three of us will be talking to you tomorrow. Yes, sir. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.